Welcome to part two of the conversation with Sade. If you haven't listened to part one yet, please pause this podcast and go back and listen to that episode first. If you have listened to part one already, it's certain that you got a glimpse of Sade's brilliance, compassion, and selflessness. You'll get more of that energy during this episode. In part two, we begin by talking about Sade's upbringing and how certain people and experiences have shaped her leadership habits. The conversation transitions into speaking about the institution's role in supporting black students at Penn Law, and we wrap up by talking about what Sade wants to accomplish during her final year in Philadelphia. A quick note, we recorded this last month, and during the conversation, we make references to the update on the law school's commitment to anti-racism email that was sent July 2nd, where Dean Ruger wrote about some of the immediate and intermediate steps the law school is taking to support black students. Personally, I look forward to witnessing Penn Law execute and deepen their commitment to anti-racism, and I will support the institution in these pursuits where I can. I know BALSA has not stopped and will not stop organizing to improve the lives of black students at Penn Law, just like Sade did this past year, and just like she'll continue to do this year as she serves the broader Philadelphia community this fall. But Sade will tell you more about that in the episode. I hope you enjoy her Penn Law perspective. Right. Do you that, go by eBay now? That's what I was wondering. Like, when did that happen? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. been it's been that way for a minute. It's been okay. that way for a minute. Okay. Um, oh, real ones? No. Excuse me. Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> that mm-hmm. that level of selflessness and you you focusing on other folks. You you that's a sign for me of of a of a great leader. That's a sign of sacrifice and and wisdom and um, empathy. And I'm curious, you know, where does that come from? You know, mm-hmm. where, can you tell us a little bit about your family, a little bit about your own values mm-hmm. um, and why, you know, you decided to lead in that way and maybe how that, the, those leadership traits and your, your character, um, how that's being manifested right now as you think about how you want to move forward um, as a 3L and how you want to approach this summer um, and how you may want to approach your career and how you're dealing with, with everything that's going on across the country right now. Um, mm-hmm. Can you take us through, you know, your values and, and uh, how you were raised and how that informs, you know, your leadership? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the word that comes to mind, that came to mind as you were talking is um, intimacy and 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 that really describes the environment that i was raised in um you know i we all watch those movies like christmas movies and thanksgiving movies where it's like 50 people at the table um (laughs) in community i actually you know i actually didn't grow up um in that while i was raised Mm -hmm. in a community which you know in some ways does have to do with my leadership style or my approach my immediate family was really my um, my base. It is my base, right? So I have a younger brother and two older sisters and my two parents. And so growing up, like, it, that that was it, right? It was us. And so I, I really value intimacy and, and try to bring that flavor, you know, to the extent that I can, um, yeah. you know, to every environment that I'm in, particularly with Black people. Um, now, I'll stay more socially, you know, the, I, I attribute a lot of my 
thoughts on blackness on and black people to growing up in a multi-ethnic black enclave initially um on long island i didn't live there forever but it you know it was a big part of my formative experiences and so matriarch across the street is an african-american woman who raised basically everybody on the block she beat us she taught us how to um tie our shoes she laminated my bus passes right like yeah what's her name frito rest in peace to frito um she was one of the first blacks you know her family was one of the first black settlers in that town um Mm -hmm. on long island um when it was okay (laughs) for black people to leave and, and and go to long island um and so she raised me, right? My neighbors to my left and my right were Haitian. Um, down the block, you have Dominican people. Yeah. Um, when I go to church, like, I, I actually had a realization the other day when I was like, for some church hymns, I only know the West Indian version of it um, <laughs> because I, was, I went to a church that was full of uh, different West Indian people. And so yes. um, I say that to say from a very young age, I understood the power of the diaspora uh, yes. and that's just never left me. And so everywhere I go, you know, step one is honestly to figure out like where are the black folk, even if they're not, um, you know, Nigerian, right? Even if they're not quote unquote, my type of black, where are those folks and how can we form community? Yes. Um, coming to Penn Law, you know, look, Bozo was a very, like I said, it's a touchstone in one way or another for black students' experiences here, they whether people plug in professionally, whether people plug in socially, um, whether people plug in academically, or all of the above. Um, I think for me, I was just an all you know all of the above <laughs> person. Mm. Uh, my one L year, you know, your class was immensely helpful to me and you know helping me transition into Penn Law. And I, you know, just can think back to several moments in the year where it was Balsa that was there for me even yeah. at my lowest point, right? I remember I went to the hospital um, at the end of 1L fall and I'm in the hospital getting texts from Shannon and Gabriella and Nishi. I'm just like, wow, these give a fuck about me. <laughs> like, they, they really, they really care. You know, like yes. that's powerful. These people really care about me. And so, you know, going into the spring, I kind of just felt like, well, I know what I can do. I have, you know, leadership experience. You know, I want to make sure that, you know, I do my part to continue edifying that experience for Black students at Penn Law. Um, But like like we said, it's been a challenge this year in understanding how to prioritize myself um, in the midst of that. And that's just been a, a lifelong issue in that that selflessness is because I just come from a family of very selfless people. <laughs> you know, we yeah. just all kind of extend backwards for for people. We, we were just raised like that. I, I watched my parents do that for their friends. I, I just watched that happen. And so it's yeah. almost like second nature for me at this point. Yeah. And so look, what I'll say is you asked me about the current moment and implications of implications of, you know, what I've experienced thus far for the current moment. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't tell you that I've got the answers yet, actually, because I had a, one, a wonderfully fulfilling year. I had a year of immense growth. I learned this year what leadership um, I want to cement, what, you know, what leadership skills I want to cement, or, or let's say leadership habits I want to cement, and what needs to stay <laughs> in this year, what cannot come with me. 
yes. to my next leadership experience, right? Whether yes. it's how I communicate with people, you know, some of my uh, <laughs> best practices, right? Like I know that. I also just don't know if I want to keep experiencing what it's like to go to bed at night and not know if you did anything for you <laughs> that day, mm-hmm. right? Like I had countless days like that where I went to bed and I would ask myself like, so Shade, what for your life, <laughs> your personal life did you accomplish today? And it, I mean, if I named one thing, that was that was an aberration, right? Like that was a lucky day. Yeah. Um, and, and so I'm just really meditating on that. Um, and I think that what what's making it hard is that this is not necessarily a moment <laughs> in which, it, you know, you kind of feel okay, actually. Yeah. Doing that, right? Like, this, everyone, everyone wants to be all in, you know, likewise, right? I'm trying to figure out what can I give? What can I do? Um, you know, what, what do the skills that I have? Um, or, or what? Yeah, what are the implications of the skills that I have for this moment? What can I bring? Right? And, and yeah. so I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I am really struggling um, with that. Uh, yeah. You know, what I'll say is, you know, this time, you know, thinking about my professional career has been difficult because there's a lot of different ways I can plug in, I think, given my leadership skills, right? Like, yeah. but I'm not sure what path is best for me. Number one, thinking about, again, me and self-preservation. Yeah. Um, and of course, number two, just thinking about broader political concerns and like what makes sense given, you know, the type of world that I envision um, playing a role in creating. Yeah. 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 No, I just, I, I applaud you for your spirit, for your, your drive, your consistency, uh, but also acknowledging that, Hey, like, maybe this isn't sustainable mm-hmm. or I don't want this to be sustainable. There's right. some things I got to leave in the past and mm-hmm. that takes courage. And mm-hmm. if I were to think about, the pen law experience from the black perspective. There's, uh, there's how many, pe- how many black people at pen law this past year? What? Like 65 total. 65. Okay. Um, so 65 black people at pen law, 65 different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that what you touched on is, is definitely a, a common thread amongst the black people at pen law in the sense yeah. that we feel as if, and, and we deal with on a consistent basis, having to advocate for not just ourselves, but our brothers and sisters, and also having to educate and mm-hmm. having to bring people along and having to every single time that we feel as if we aren't supported, we have to advocate for ourselves. And that leaves very little time. We have to advocate for ourselves as a group, right? Mm-hmm. We have to support each other and lift each other up. And that leaves very little time for Sade to work on Sade. And mm-hmm. so when we think about, you know, what's, what's the remedy for that? You know, mm-hmm. how, do, how, do we, how do we mentor and help people that are coming up so that mm-hmm. they can learn from uh, some of right. our triumphs, but also learn from some of our, our mistakes? So mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we reach back and talk and message to 1Ls um, and 2Ls, incoming 1Ls? How do we do that? That's, that's, right. that's part one of the question that I have for you. Yeah. And then also if we're looking, not looking up, I guess looking to the administration, looking to Penn Law, looking to the institution, how do they support us? And I know this, is, this has been your role for this past year, but if you were to 
maybe step outside of the balsa role for a second and say, sure. you know, if I could talk and I, I could message to the institution, here's how you can support us so that at the end of the day, you know, I can work, I can look out for myself. I can do some things that are going to help my wellness. I can do some things so that I can be more present when I'm in the institution. Mm-hmm. Um, what say you on both of those messaging to students that are coming up, incoming black students for Penn Law and messaging to the administration? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'll just say it's funny that you mentioned this because um, last week I had actually texted um, Lee and Teddy, our, our new, our new uh, courageous leaders about yeah. self-care. Um, mm-hmm. I was very serious. But, you know, they're, they're, they're doing a lot. Um, right now, successfully, let's be very clear, successfully already, right? They're doing a lot right now by by virtue of the the moment, right? The moment is requiring um, organizing. Yes. Um, and I'm worried because it's early. Mm-hmm. It's they haven't even began Not the even. academic year yet, right? Yeah. That that that's con- that was concerning to me, and so you know, I had yeah. actually texted both of them like, "Yo, <laughs> <laughs> don't feel afraid." To- press pause now, honey. Like, you don't have to hold this on your back. And so that's the messaging to students. You don't have to. You know, I think the reality is like, you know, we get so caught up in organizing as we should rightfully, right? We're just so devoted to the struggle and and making things better for for Black folks at the school. But the reality is, if you don't pay attention to yourself at all, right? And you know you suffer for it in, in, in X, Y, and Z ways. Yeah. The school's still all right. Okay. <laughs> the school is still standing there. Yep. Okay. Um. Yeah. And pretty. It's not going nowhere. They're still getting the check. Still getting the check. Okay. Still getting bread. Meanwhile, you just gave yourself right. You um, sacrificed in, a, in an incredible way. Meanwhile, the school is still standing there. Okay, the yes. people who, first of all, the people who you might um, be mobilizing against are sleeping well at night, actually. Okay, this is something that really plagued me this year. Just sleeping well, vacationing, probably, you know, having mm-hmm. a great time. Meanwhile, you are literally driving yourself to sickness, to physical sickness, right? You know, because of the struggle, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that the messaging to students is the struggle is nothing if you are not whole yourself. Yes. Right. Yes. You must be whole yourself to be good for the struggle. Even if that means that you have to put the struggle on hold for a second so you can get your own shit together. Yeah. Like that's a real thing. Also, yes. wow. uh, messaging to students is the work is not solely yours. You know, this is important for black students, right? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, the work falls squarely on our shoulders when in reality, you know, some white folks need to be doing work too. I'm just, let's just call it out, right? Like yes. some non-black folks need to be doing work too, to be taking on this work as well. Yes. Um, we're not feeling afraid to say, I'm going to take a step back and take care of me. Um, and I'm going to hope that other, you know, in the meantime, other people, you know, can help do this work um, as well. Yes. Um, so that, that's what I would say, you know, students. And then as far as institutions, you know, it's interesting, right? Like, I don't really have smoke for like, I personally don't have smoke for administrators at Penn, at Penn Law. I really don't because I think that, first of all, 
people. How how funky are we getting, actually? How funky are we getting? Um, I think I think it is stockfish. Stockfish. (laughs) 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 Let's go there. Let's fill up. Let's fill up the house. I think that it is fair to say that so many times, um, you know, in academia, you know, Mm -hmm. when it comes to issues of race in class and whatever. You know, the frontline administrators who are oftentimes most um, visibly troubleshooting the issue are not necessarily the enemy, right? Oftentimes they look like you, right? I think that's so fascinating. Um, And so um, I just say that to say, when when I'm talking about problems at the institution, I'm not even trying to make make a devil out of the people who work at Penn Law. I'm really not. Like a, a lot of times the people who work at Penn Law are like great folks who are like, I get it. Right. And yeah. so you have to really think about who holds power. Oftentimes yes. it's not administrators, actually. <laughs> right. That's what um you, you learn very quickly in this work. It's mm-hmm. actually not. Um and, and so I just want to be clear that what I'm about to say is not an attack on administrators who actually do give a fuck and they're trying to figure it out. Um, Hear you. And, they can you know what i'm saying hear yeah. us as best as they can because they they are <laughs> the work is though that the institution of pen law has to have humility mm-hmm. and these institutions in academia in general have to have humility and and be okay with the fact that if you have humility to say hey you're not what you're not what you're doing is not right that means that you have to radically change not just change you know for appearance not just change so that the press can go away but change in like radical ways that make, you know, huge, huge differences. Yes. Yes. Again, that, that takes humility. That, that really, yeah. you know, that's difficult in academia, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say, look, like, it also takes self-work. Um, yeah. It's because if you're trying to take this burden off of Black students, right, like, what that means is it can't always be on us to do the educating. So then how will you do the educating? You have to do it yourself, honey. Yes. Like, and again, I don't just mean like the woman of color administrators. That's not what I mean, actually. Who kind of like already get the issues, right? Again, how funky are we getting? How funky, funky. are we getting, right? Funky. Like, I smell it right now. My okay. dad, my dad that, just brought it out. Okay. What I'm saying is the board of trustees, right? Yeah. Yeah. What I'm saying is Amy Gutman, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I'm talking about like the, the people who for real push push the lever mm-hmm. um, and, and can do it literally if they decide they want to do it. That's the thing. If they make the decision that they want to do it. Um, mm-hmm. and, you, and so I just think that um, the burden is on them to say, I'm going to learn more. I'm going to understand more. And I'm going to do it in ways that don't merely just, you know, require you to constantly tell me all the ways in which I've harmed you. Yes. Maybe if I do some more work myself, I can yes. understand that without taxing you in the process. Yes. Yes. Dang, Absolutely. we getting funky on yeah. this well, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and Pen Law Funky Pocket. So, <laughs> what is that? What is that? What does that look like? Right? What does that mm-hmm. look like individually? Right for for students, how do they receive that support? And I I think that when you talk about the folks who can actually pull the levers, mm-hmm. what is one of the major levers that they can pull? Mm-hmm. Mo- money, money is always a lever. 
Yeah. Money is probably the most important, the most, the most effective lever as it relates mm-hmm. to students feeling as if they can access yeah. and uh, the institution and students feeling as if when they're in the institution, um, they're getting their bang for their buck. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and especially with what's happening right now, where you, we're, you're going to be paying for a lot of things. I was about to say, we, I'm, I'm out. But, <laughs> You're gonna be, but I'm I'm still close enough to to feel uh, connected and a little bit salty about this. You're you're gonna be paying for a lot of things next year that you're not gonna be able to use. Right. Mm-hmm. And there, there's no doubting the the premium of a pen law education, of course, and the pen law network and that invisible network and and how incredible the professors are and your colleagues. I mean, it is a world class institution. And personally, I'm grateful to call myself a pen law alum, and I will be grateful to call myself a pen law alum. Um, in the same way that I'm grateful to call myself a Brown alum and I'm grateful to call myself an alum of the high school that I went to. But mm-hmm. I'm also critical of those institutions yeah. because I still feel like they can do more. Mm-hmm. And one way that they can do more is they can support Black students by giving Black students more money. Sure. And okay, listen, you know, it is so funny that you mentioned that because, um, you know, I think all about... I think, okay, for actually, let's back up. So number one, I, I just want to say to your point earlier, um, if I love you as an institution, my duty to you is to also critique you when you're doing wrong, right? Every and so day. I actually love Penn Law, but I love Penn Law enough to say, hey, here's where you're wrong. Here's how you need to do better. Let, yes. Let's just be very clear on that. Like, yes, it's, it's like a relation. It's, it's a relationship, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> I love you, baby. I love, love you, but, you know, mm-hmm. you got to... You got to do better. Accountability is a form of love. Yes. Um, that's number one. Um, but number two, separately, mm. um, you know, I, I think about all the time how black students who go into big law, especially those of us who come from low income backgrounds, you yes. know, our check and how it's used is not going to be the same. <laughs> right? It's not going to be the same as how the check is used for those who have commitments to nobody but themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, when we get into big law, we are racing to what? Eradicate family debt. <laughs> okay. Try to support and, and build some okay. sort of generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. And, right. And, and first of all, pay back the debt. And I'm not just talking about the student debt. Mm-hmm. We're talking about student debt from undergrad and also yeah. debt debt that our parents took out exactly. for the homes and debt that they took mm-hmm. out to get our plane tickets so we can go to school. And exactly. All exactly. of all all of the the way that we finance mm-hmm. these opportunities, mm-hmm. we're getting this check that's being divided exactly. into a hundred pieces. And so that's why people think, oh my God, you should be grateful. You got into Penn Law. Isn't everything okay now? Not necessarily. And so, you know, to get to your high, high level question here, like people who can push the lever, people who have capacity to do that need to understand the ways in which the black experience um, in all of its sub experiences and all of its iterations, right, is very unique um, and different from the experiences of other folks and that you know, oftentimes, maybe not always, but oftentimes when you're black and coming into these spaces, you're coming into these spaces carrying whole communities on your back. Yes. Right? Whole people on your back. And that um, creates a different pressure. That creates a different level of stress. um, That creates a different level of the understanding of stakes 
Yes. Right. That that can have implications across so many different um, dimensions. Yes. Um, and I think that people need to people really need to understand that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's important, and also I, I don't think that we talk about this enough. Um, we don't talk about our financial burden enough. Yeah. I think, you know, once we get that acceptance letter to Penn Law, we're all happy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or whatever your respective law schools or undergrad, um, and you think to yourself, okay, what do I need to do to, to make this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't realize, you know, sort of some of the implications, at least as a student, you know, because yeah. uh, that's the experience that you're having right now. You're not in big law. You're not in your fifth year yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not, you're not a, a partner yet. You're not a first year yet. You're a student. So what, what, what type of, you know, burden are you dealing with on a daily basis when you're thinking about, okay, how am I going to take this, this check that I'm making this summer to pay for rent and pay for tuition and pay for all this stuff? Oh, and also like, I may want to, you know, mm-hmm. see my parents every once in a while. Um, may want to be closer to family now, given uh, what's going on across our country. You know, there's, there's all these things to think about. And it's, it's, it's another one, another one of those factors that, contributes to us not paying attention to our own wellness and well-being um, because we're focusing on how we can figure out a way to support our family. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. it is something that has been perpetually on my mind for the past few years, even more so than uh, some of the other obligations that I had at the law school three. I feel as if Mm -hmm. this year I was really thinking about, okay, how can I take classes that I'm interested in and do projects and work with professors that align to my legal interest? How can I push myself creatively? Um, how can I graduate? But also, how can I try to minimize my student debt? Like that, that was just a significant thing that I pursued this year. How can I minimize my debt? And when, when I kept hitting walls, it kept getting more frustrating, yeah. right? And so that, because it was frustrating, that sort of bled into the other areas. Or I can't so you be as go up in class, right? Right, right. You know, I'm thinking about like, oh. right, you know, so <laughs> yeah, I help with mm-hmm. giving us more money. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really, really big part of it. Um, and, and, you know, I'll say to their, their credit, I don't know if you saw that email the other day, but it looks like there's some scholarships coming out now um, for yeah. Black students who are pursuing racial justice work. But isn't this a classic example of how, um, what's the phrase, power concedes nothing without demand, yeah. right? Like, okay, what's, you could have done that several years ago, right? Yeah. But there's something about this environment that's now forcing the institution to, right. um, you know, to act. Uh, well, what, about the st- what about the students who are already in? What about scholarship mm-hmm. and opportunities for you all, not just mm-hmm. folks that are coming in? Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and again, this is why I I raised the point about humility and true self-reflection, right? The the school and these schools in general and academia have to really ask themselves, like, who do we want to be? Right, because, you know, we're now, so for example, anti-racism is now in vogue. Now, if we really contend with what it means to be an anti-racist uh, institution, a lot of things are going to have to change, yeah. okay? Not just, not just on the surface, right? Not cosmetic changes, but deep changes in how we do things, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, who knows if the institution's actually ready to move in that direction, which, again, is why I say, like, reflection and, and serious considerations of, you know, what are we willing to do and yeah, what are we trying to do in general here? Yeah. Matter. Um, yeah. So 
especially in this moment. Yeah, and we sh- I, we should acknowledge you know, the letter that was written um, by mm-hmm. Dean Ruger and some of the steps that they're taking, supporting the staff, supporting faculty, supporting students, and they're they're taking the the, the right steps. If you if you haven't had an opportunity, if you're an alum or a student, please read uh, Dean Ruger's. Uh, email updating the law school's commitment to anti-racism. He sent it out on Thursday um, and uh, try to see how it applies to your own experience and what you want to do with it. But, you know, I sh- we should acknowledge that, that that's happening after, uh, after everything that we just said, you know, mm-hmm. the, the school is, is uh, listening. The school is, the school is trying. So yeah. that's, that's a, that's a good thing. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a really good thing. And um, so Mm-hmm. I guess to, to to wrap up here, you know, you have one more year at Penn Law, one more year in Philadelphia. When you think about next year, what are some things that you want to accomplish? And, you know, how do you want to sort of put your Sade bow? Um, oh. You know, yeah, <laughs> I you see you with right. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. that, that's my thing. You know. That is, that is your thing. I see you rocking it right now. We're good. We're gonna have to take a little uh, picture so that when I post mm-hmm. this, we can we can mm-hmm. put this up. Yeah, I gotta sure. I gotta mm-hmm. do something to this. My mom, you know, <laughs> my mom always grabs my hair and she's always she's like, "What's going on here? What's going on here?" Like, mom, it's a pandemic. You know, it's a pandemic. <laughs> it's okay. In due time. In due time. But right. um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I um, I'm again thinking a lot about this moment and how I can plug in and, you know, what are my thoughts just more broadly about politics? It's like, I'm having a moment of reckoning in a way because you know what? We come into law school, so many people come into law school, like I'm gonna save the day with this law degree, right? right. <laughs> in one way or another, you know, we are gonna, you know, I think that oftentimes in the legal profession, especially, you know, in this area, in this arena, we position ourselves as like leaders. Um, yeah. We position ourselves as being at the forefront, being the most visible. But if anything, you know, law school has actually taught me that the law can be quite limiting. Um, the law oftentimes is deliberately constructed not to provide relief, right? Shout out to um, Professor Seth Kramer. You know, Seth Kramer is probably so over me, but I just want him to know, like, I listened in your class. Like, yeah. I learned... <laughs> things. And so you go from constitutional litigation to this current moment, right? And I'm just thinking about how, yeah, like everything that's happening in this moment in terms of, you know, inability to to get legal relief is Mm. connected to how the law was deliberately constructed as he revealed. So shout out to Seth Kramer. (laughs) Um, But thinking about that, right? Like the law is so limiting, but yet we position ourselves as, you know, being at the forefront. I'm just in a place where I just I believe in people power over everything. Mm -hmm. I believe in the power of the people more than I do in the power of a legal degree, which is like odd because I've committed myself to (laughs) a legal degree. But um, not to say that my degree is useless, but to say that I really want to use it in conjunction with like organizing, ground, grassroots activism, right? You know, that's really important um, to me. And so this next year, my goal is actually not to be in school as much. I'm not going to hold you. It's more so to be in the city of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. You know, using my degree to the extent that I can to amplify the voices of the people in the city of Philadelphia, you know, 
which yes. raises a whole nother conversation about Penn Law and its obligations to the community. Um, but that, that's like a whole nother uh, can of worms there. And so in the next year, I'll be doing um, election protection work okay. for the democracy law project. So I'm the Pennsylvania election protection manager on right. the board. So from one thing to the next, but it's a role that would have me more so outside of yes. the level. Um, just, you know, making sure that our, you know, our vote is protected as we go into the fall um, election. I hope to do some clinics if possible, um, but who knows what that's going to look like in the time of COVID, mm -hmm. right? And so I don't even know about that um, anymore. And then I, I do hope, I'm not going to lie, I, I am curious to know what it feels like to just be a student, right? Like to just go into class and first of all, look, let's keep it a stack. Email is like not jumping through the roof, right? Yeah. Um, like, what does it mean? You, you know how this world is probably going through the, through 3L, the difference that your inbox looks, looks from and busyness from 2L to 3L. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder what it's going to look like to go into class and it's not like ping, 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 ping. You know what I'm saying? Like, I actually can just pay attention. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I do hope to take, you know, advanced coursework um, that will make me a strong litigator, right? That will give me, you know, a solid foundation as I, as I head into practice. So, you know, part of it is going to be, you know, outside of Penn Law, at least, you know, as far as my organizing work. Um, but then as far as, as I'm in school, I just really want to learn. <laughs> like, we get this, you know, expensive ass degree, like with experts, like, let me learn from these experts before I go. There's some professors who I have not um, taken courses with yet, who I hope to do, um, take courses with before I go. Yes. Um, that, that's very important to me. So we'll see. We'll see what happens this year. Oh, yeah. I it's wish you. Still, though, don't nobody ask me for nothing. It's going <laughs> to be like, uh, cast for the ghost. <laughs> Who is Shade? Never met her. Oh, she's hilarious. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> she don't come around here no more. <laughs> oh, that, that's what it's going to be like. Oh, uh, well, I think. <laughs> You know, you, you deserve to take hold of next year and make it into what you want to make it. And you're doing some incredible things. And I love the fact that you are making sure that you're getting into the Philadelphia community. That's important every single year of law school, especially your last year, if you're not going to stay in Philadelphia and practice there. There are some incredible folks. There's some incredible neighborhoods. There's strong Black communities there. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you're working with those communities to protect the vote doesn't surprise me at all. And um, it's, it's really great to hear. And for you, you know, I think that you may find yourself missing, a, you know, some of the community a little bit. I know you're going to be Casper the Ghost, but <laughs> also don't, don't, don't hesitate to pop up every once in a while sure. because, yeah, because alums and students look up to you. You should, you should feel proud of everything that you've accomplished and it's not over. I mean, you're only two thirds of the way through. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you got, you got one more and, um, I'm excited for you and, you know, let me know if there's anything that we can do as, as young alums, um, but also continue to rely on your, your classmates too. You know, you never know what could happen. I think that this year, if we would have known as the three L's that we wouldn't have been able to see each other past Sadie, then we probably would have connected a little bit more and had more, more cookouts and, and, you know, vibed a little bit, especially with some of my, my best friends being abroad for a semester in Alexander and Nishi. I mean, yeah. we really, we really only got two months in person yeah. to hang out. Um, so 
mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't take those things for granted. And, you know, I know you said that Justin probably is happy that he's not getting a morning, <laughs> happy he's not getting a morning text from you. Hey, send him that morning text. Oh, like, what's up? Lord, <laughs> so tired of me. And I get it. I'm tired of myself, honey. That's funny. Like, I be in everybody inbox all year. And I'm mm. sure that they're um, excited yeah. to uh, be off the hook. Uh, but yes, I, of course, you know, Justin's my man, like yeah. held, held it down, held it all yeah. the way down for me. And so um, yeah. it, I hope that this, this year, you know, to your point, I can dig in a little bit harder with relationships because that, that actually, mm. you know, to be quite honest, something that I, I missed out on this year because I was so like, both of both of both of both of both of well, in the time that I was doing that. Um, I spent less time cultivating my friendships and my relationships just on a more deep and personal level. And so, yeah. you know, I just hope that 3L can be a time where I can restore and just be normal. Shut it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm so happy that we had this conversation. We're able to catch up and, you know, you can hit me up for anything mm-hmm. for real. I am, I'm here studying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took a little sabbatical from this podcast thing. Um, when I thought about how I wanted to sort of reignite it and bring it back, you were the first person that came to mind for real. Um, oh, really? Dang, yes. I appreciate it. Yes. Yes. Because I, I, I lived with Alexander 2L year when he was president. So, but it's, it's a very different experience for, for you um, as a black woman in that role. And when I saw you this year, you know, you want, you want to, you want to do more, you want to comfort, but you also want to, not amplify the fact that this person is going through so much. So it was kind of as if I felt like this year, as opposed to last year, we weren't really like mm-hmm. able to connect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always um, missing each other. Always missing each other. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was I was Casper. If you want to know, <laughs> I, you were a good, you were a good Casper because you know what? Uh, when we did run into each other, Jeremiah, you just have such a calming presence. So you know, I would be running down the hallway somewhere, and I would run into you, and it'd be like okay, calm down, <laughs> like, bring it down several notches, you know, you, you kind of force that energy, and it's very relieving and, and helpful, honestly, so thank you. Well, anytime, and, you know, I, what brought me to the law school was the CLE table, that was where, <laughs> that was, my, that, was, that was my spot, I figured if I'm going to come to the law, first of all, shout out to um, Phoenix Diller, Hagana, um, all the folks at the CLE, that was an incredible opportunity to, first of all, sit and meet a lot of, meet a lot of pr- practitioners, right? I met a lot of folks. Yeah. I was at a lot of events, but also it was a way for me to get to know one else. It was a way for me to get to build community with some of my classmates. Three of I was posted. <laughs> and if I didn't have that, Shade, if I didn't have that, I didn't take, t- I took a few classes over at Wharton. I took maybe one or two classes at the law school and I did an independent study. I wouldn't have been at the law school. Wow. So, you know, that kept me there. And, you know, if you're going to be sitting at the law school, you might as well make a little money. Might as well uh, make a little shit. Just a little bit. Just a little, you know. Just, just a little you know, bit. Just no, a few, I totally understand that. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that that was something that brought me there. So if you're interested in coming every once in a while, um, maybe try out the CLE table. Mm-hmm. If Or okay. I guess that's not going to be a thing. Well, maybe in the spring. We right. hold out hope for the spring. Who knows? But yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. I don't, so what do you got going on the rest of the day? I actually do have some meetings. You know me. I stay busy in one form or another. On you know July? Me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I what have meetings? meetings. What meetings do you have, if you don't I, mind I me asking? I'll tell you on the flip side. i tell you okay. on the flip side. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> You're going to laugh at me. That's why. You're going to laugh That's at funny. me. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's good. That's good. Um, and this is going to be the longest interview that we've done. I mean, we went oh, for really? an hour. We went for an hour and a half. 